Children live in a magical world. So much of the world is mysterious for a child, more mysterious than it is for most of us adults. This is partly because a child has not yet learned how to interpret what things are. And so uh, I'm sure we've all experienced a child's first encounter with a dog or with a mechanical toy, and this can produce uh, intense wonder and uh, sometimes delight, or in some cases, fear. There's a Christmas story by Charles Dickens where he writes about the effects that a variety of Christmas toys had on him when he was a child and the intense memories he has of loving certain characters and being very afraid of the -the jack-in-the-box, wanting his parents to put it away. I remember uh, as a child once pondering on this idea that God has no beginning. The idea that God would have no end wasn't so hard to deal with uh, for me, but I remember thinking back to a point in the past and then thinking before that and then before that, and I was getting a headache because I realized I could go on doing this forever and still not get at what I was trying to figure out. And philosophers, going back at least to Plato, almost 2,500 years ago, have said that a love of wisdom begins with an experience of wonder, an encounter with a mystery. And in one of his most famous dialogues, Plato gives another example of a mystery, the experience of beauty. So why is it that we react to certain objects or sounds or persons as beautiful? No one's ever come to an agreement on this question. What does it mean for me or for any of you to be confronted by something that's beautiful? Why do we have that reaction? What does it mean? Now, these experiences of mystery and wonder, they are encounters with a reality that's bigger and stranger than what we experience in most of our daily life, those mundane things that seem more or less under our control. So mysteries are important reminders that the world is bigger than whatever we encounter in our daily lives. No matter how expert we become in managing the world through science and technology, and we're pretty good at it these days, there still always exists this realm of mystery that we can't understand by science or empirical methods. You can't do scientific, you can do scientific tests uh, on, you know, how people react to uh, beauty or what they call beautiful, but this is more like psychology than it is uh, wisdom. Right. So the only way to understand a mystery is by contemplation or by patient observation and by love. So a scientific mindset can be a real danger when it comes to mysteries. What would science say about Mary, the mother of God, who conceived a child as a virgin without the aid of a man? Science, it's easy to say what science would say. It's impossible. It can't happen. And certainly for us, human beings, it is impossible. We can't do it. But the fact is that we celebrate a mystery today. And the fact that we celebrate this mystery, as have Christians for many centuries, this invites us to get out of this way of thinking about the world and move into a more contemplative way of thinking about it. In other words, we need a way to encounter the world that is a way of wisdom. It's also a way of faith, because if we're going to enter fully into this idea of Mary's motherhood, we have to believe that her child was conceived as part of God's plan to enter into our world. Now, all these elements I'm working with, wisdom, faith, mystery, wonder, 
All of these actually converge in the person of the Mother of God, whose feast day we celebrate. She is an expression of wonder in the gospel today. She hears the message from the, well, in, in the gospel last week, actually. She hears from the angel Gabriel uh, what's going to happen in her life, and she asks, how can this be? Uh, she th- ponders on it. She's an expression of patient contemplation when, for example, t- in today's gospel, that's where I get to it, the shepherds tell her about the angels singing of Jesus' birth, saying all these mysterious things about him. And when she hears the child Jesus at age 12 speaking about his father's house, we hear that she keeps all of these things in her heart and ponders over them, sort of chews over them, thinks about them investigates their meaning. She's called blessed by Elizabeth because she believed the word of God, so she's an example of how faith contributes to this understanding. Now, as it happens, the words for wisdom in both the Hebrew and Greek languages, the languages of the scriptures, are both feminine and gender. In fact, the Greek word Sophia is commonly used even today as a woman's name. And so it is in the scriptures that wisdom is often depicted as a woman. And it was only a matter of time before the church saw in these descriptions of wisdom a figure of Mary, the mother of God. Most importantly, her wisdom is generative. It's by hearing this word of God and welcoming it, it is through this that Mary participates in the incarnation, God's entry into this world. And so she is a model for all Christians, but especially contemplatives. And I assume if you're coming to Mass at a monastery on New Year's Day, you have some interest in the contemplative life. By our own patient contemplation of God's mysteries, we are gradually transformed in such a way as to allow Christ to live in and through our own actions. And we make real and effective our membership in the body of Christ, the ongoing incarnation that is the Church. I'm going to end by noting how lay spirituality helped to develop the prayer of the rosary in which we invite the Virgin Mary to instruct us in this uh, way of understanding through the joyful, luminous, sorrowful, and glorious mysteries. We can repeat the prayer of the rosary over and over again, uh, and even within the, the rosary, the Hail Mary, over and over again, because these mysteries require patient attentiveness. We have to keep looking at it over and over again from a fresh perspective. And each one of these mysteries that the church proclaims is a reminder that God is greater than we are, that God's greater than creation, God's greater than our hearts, as the Apostle John tells us. God continually then surprises us, confronts us with wonder, mystery, sometimes fear, to help us transcend whatever point of view we have from our limited human perspective and to start to think with the mind of Christ, with the heart of Christ. Mysteries are an invitation to reacquire for ourselves that childlike wonder that lurks in the hidden gaps in our understanding. When our Lord instructs us to become like children, we can do no better than to enter the home of the Holy Family at Nazareth and place ourselves beside the child Jesus before his Holy Mother.